you're listening to Death of the Reader. Flex here on uh, Not Your Murder Mystery World Tour. It is a pleasure being with you here this evening. My apologies to those of you joining us from the uh, bright tides of the internet for the small delay in getting things up and running. Oh, it's so exciting to be here with you all. I've got myself a friend in the studio in the form of one Dom Romeo, who you uh, will be hearing shortly. Now? Yeah. Oh, cool. And, uh, oh goodness, I've technologically screwed up already, but hey, that's what happens when we go live for the first time in a while. Dom, it's so good to have you with us here. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. I hope you still feel that way midway through the show and by its end. (laughs) Yeah, oh my goodness. So welcome to Death of the Reader Undead. This is a little bit that Herds and I have been planning out for a while to kind of feature the best of the rest of stuff that we aren't normally able to feature in the show. And I'm super excited to kind of dive into the world of crime fiction outside the constraints of our normal murder mystery world tour. Herds, unfortunately, has ended up off unwell today. So if you're in chat with us, uh, wish him the best. Or did I poison him? Well, I mean, that is definitely also possible. But nonetheless, Dom has graciously stepped in to fill the boots, uh, ominous boots to fill, might I add. And uh, I wanted to get in and talk a little bit today, Dom, about some of, as I said, the best of the rest in murder mystery and crime fiction that's coming up around us. I suppose, Dom, we've got you on for Ghosts of Paris uh, by Tara Moss. The latest Billy Billy Walker mystery. Yeah, I am having a super good time with that book. I, I'm curious just to hear what your brief initial impressions of the book as we get into its first week. Well, look, I, I'm, I've only just started it. I know that there's, there's a, uh, an ex-husband, well, there's a couple of ex-husbands uh, floating around, one that was featured in passing in the first Billy Walker mystery. So I'm, I'm curious to see whether or not he turns up. But of course, the first case that Billy has to deal with in this book is a missing husband. I know. It's, it's a tense situation that Billy finds herself in. And I'm very much looking to getting into that. So a little preview there of what's coming up on Death of the Reader. Speaking of France, though, I wanted to talk about something that I've had the chance to watch recently. Coming out next week, 28th of July, Murder Party by Nicholas Pleskov. This is a French murder mystery film uh, released in March earlier this year, but it makes its way to our shores next week. And it is this gorgeous thing. I've seen a lot of, you know... uh, English-speaking press outlets refer to it as Wes Anderson's Knives Out, and you know, I, I understand. I understand that pitch because it does have that very poppy, oddly framed Wes Anderson style, super bright colors, but it takes it to this whole other absurdist level where we have you know the sunlight streaming in the windows to this mansion is pink, and the night is neon blue, and it has this gorgeous color palette. I guess the the pitch of the movie is that an architect by the name of Jean Shears contracted to go and build this upgrade to the mansion of an eccentric game maker and arrives and disappoints him because he doesn't like computers, but her plan features virtual reality and all of these various assortments. He, how you say, hates virtual reality. <laughs> yeah, and basically he draws uh, a gun and he's like I'm so upset with this but you know what I like a good game so perhaps uh, we should uh, challenge each other 
to a game of Russian roulette. He points the gun at his head, she pulls the trigger, it doesn't go off, and he hands it to Jean, and she's like, I'm not having any of this, and leaves. And as she goes downstairs, a scream is heard upstairs, and of course, the Lord of the House is dead, a murder mystery begins, a mysterious Agatha Christie-esque playback machine that says, if you don't find the killer within 24 hours, you're all dead. Wow. It is, as you say, the aunt is on. Absolutely. It's such a good time. I'm hoping to have Nicholas Pleskov on the show in future to talk a little bit about it. But if you're curious uh, by absolutely, go check it out. Before I go on any further, I'd just like to say thank you to those of you joining us over on the uh, the YouTube stream that we have up. I've got Curry, G-Chan, uh, Tay in chat, Apparition, and uh, King all of whom are uh, good friends of the show in the background that we don't often get the chance to mention on air. So shout out to all of you. Can I shout out to someone? Absolutely. I, I went up the street this evening to buy some Doc Martens because uh-huh. my Sanchez got drenched. And on the way back, I was on the 423. I don't know if the driver's still driving, but if he <laughs> is, Ron, shout out to Ron, who had two SER playing on the bus. I loved it. You love to hear it. Oh, my goodness. Speaking of heroic Australians, Dom, another fantastic collection that's come out recently, Dark Deeds Down Under, is a brilliant work put together by friend of the show Craig Sisterson and uh, Clandestine Press, led by Lindy Cameron of uh, Sisters in Crime Australia fame, as well as her own writing. Um, And uh, 19 short stories put together by some of Australia's brightest crime fiction minds. A wonderful thing. We're going to have them on the show soon to talk a little bit more about that collection my favorite thing though was uh you know aside from the stories themselves but my favorite thing in adornment to the book is that they have some wonderful art put together by some first nations artists both of australia and new zealand the 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 home hub of dark deeds down under and they tell you where each author is from from not by saying it outright but by having a little graphic put together by an indigenous artist to each country of a platypus or a kiwi that's like at a different uh, kind of opacity to tell you where they're from. It's very cute. Well, that, that is interesting because early on you described it as a collection of Aussie authors when yeah. you meant Antipodean authors. Yes, yes. I, 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 the thing is, is, I feel like I struggle to say Antipodean without butchering it. You know, I had to think about it there for a good second before even responding to you there. But you know what? It's the right word and I'll do my best, Dom. Excellent. <laughs> now... The other thing uh, that I suppose I should mention, Dom, we've got a few different authors we've featured on the show this year who have some new releases coming out. Wanted to give a shout out to Nev March with Peril at the Exposition, the uh, second entry in the Captain Jim and Lady Diana series. Jim Agnahontry, former captain of the Indian military, is kidnapped upon their arrival in the United States and Lady Diana, turned detective, now has to go and solve what happened to her fiancé. I... When you first said Lady Diana, I, I had visions of, of the the people's princess, but obviously mm. it's not that Lady Diana. Not that Lady Diana, though yeah. who knows? Maybe there's a time travel story waiting there to happen. Uh, and then the other one is Vasim Khan, The Lost Man of Bombay, is out in August. Is that a new book? Yeah, it's, it's a new book. I have an early copy of it, uh, and my favorite quote on, that, I can, that I can share with you from the book is, uh, uncorrected proof copy, not for distribution or quotation. <laughs> oh, I love that meta quoting. <laughs> now I have a question for you. How long has the lost man been lost? Oh, you know this is the question, Dom. I think the, the oh god, how much am I even allowed to share? I look, I don't know, but my, the reason I ask is 
if he he's been lost long enough, when he's found again, he might discover that he's no longer the lost man of Bombay, but the found man of Mumbai. <laughs> oh come on! Oh, tell you what, Dom, we we had. Can I can I make a confession? I felt very silly uh, when when this happened to me. But when we were first getting into covering Indian fiction, I didn't know uh, that that Bombay and Mumbai were the same city. That's ah, it. so uh, there, there's there's an episode of the show that aired where I still didn't have that knowledge. And uh, spoilers, if you can if you can find that moment, don't don't send it back to me. <laughs> well, look, if it makes you feel any better, I am a rank amateur. I am an imposter. I will talk myself in circles and reveal how much <laughs> I just don't know about good crime fiction. Oh yeah, or bad crime fiction, or any crime fiction. Now, last thing I wanted to mention before we move on to you, Dom, and what you've brought for us this evening, uh, I wanted to give a shout out to Danny V from Words and Nerds. We had her on for The Woman in the Library recently. She is hosting a book launch straight after we get off air today. Tonight! Yes, for James Mackenzie Watson's Denizen over on her Facebook page, facebook.com slash Danny V Books. That's D-A-N-I-V-E-E Books. And uh, we've got Lynn Yort of The Silent Listener and Petronella McGovern of Six Minutes and The Good Teacher on to accompany that launch so go check that out if you're uh if you're excited for a new release dom we're gonna take a short breather here and uh then we should come back and talk a little bit about the family that uh has been causing so much chaos for one ernest cunningham listening to death of the reader undead dom here with flex on uh the sideshow to your murder mystery world tour and dom when we were talking about having you on the show one of the novels that we discussed discussing was benjamin stevenson's everyone in my family has killed someone uh because you read that recently just after i did an interview with benjamin and i was you I was, recall I had an opinion. Yeah, you had a very strong opinion, and I figured I'd finally give you the floor to share that opinion. Well, here's the thing, right? I knew Benjamin Stevenson long before he was a friend of the show. <laughs> I knew Benjamin Stevenson before he was a crime writer. I knew Benjamin Stevenson as the keyboard player of The Stevenson Experience, oh my which goodness. is a comedy duo consisting of... Benjamin on keyboard and his brother, James Stevenson, his twin brother on guitars and vocals. And uh, they're pretty funny, but like I always had a bit of a, well, let me put it this way. They had shows with names like Mission Twin Possible, but they were a bit eye rolly if you came up with your own twin related pun, <laughs> uh-huh. like only twins can make twin related puns. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, I kind of wanted to hate him. Yeah, yeah. And then I read Everyone in My Family Has Killed Someone. And it's such a good book. It is brilliant. Uh, he, again, there's a lot of self-conscious humor and, and, and meta-referencing, you know, the rules of, of crime novels, which, yes. as I say, I've, I've already flagged the fact that, that I'm a novice and, and not a journeyman. <laughs> that's, that's all right. Our, our listeners should be, at this point, comfortably familiar with the Knox Decalogue, which features in the opening pages of that book. But I want to say, like, I was so ready to hate him. 
And I still do, even mm. more so, because the book was brilliant. I resent the fact that he hasn't given me the opportunity to resent him more. It's it's a great read. The, I really recommend it. The thing that's perfect about that to me is that is exactly the energy with which Ernest is written. He's this character that is so aware of the world around him, but... Th- his awareness of himself is a dark void. He writes text that is self-aware because he is not aware of himself. And I thought that that was such a brilliant way to carry a character on through that story. The way that he is like a horror movie character who is unaware he's in a horror film, except he's in a murder mystery, is brilliant. It's it's like reverse, reverse psychology, you know? <laughs> oh, sure, I love it, which means I hate it, unless it's reverse, reverse psychology. Oh, sure, I love it, which means I love it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And you know what? I think, honestly, Dom, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but to me, that's that's the perfect book. The book that cures you of your ailments. The book that makes you excited to see more from the people that wrote it. The book that inspires you to come on a murder mystery show and discuss Tara Moss's latest book. It's exactly the sort of energy that a, a book should bring. And and bring it, it shall, because you've given me the opportunity to discuss the ghosts of Paris. <laughs> Uh, I'd like to I'd like to give a shout out to Curry Chan, uh, who's joining us via the YouTube feed, who has suggested the title for the show: "Death of the Reader Undead: Your Murder Mystery Detour." What a why didn't we come up with that pun, Dom? It's so it's right there in front of us on the tips of our tongues, and we didn't see it. Maybe Benjamin or or James, I don't know which. They're twins. Was right to roll their eyes at me that time. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, tell you what, Dom. Uh, in 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 spirit of the show, you've brought us a few uh, songs. I'll call you our our feature DJ for this episode. You want to uh, introduce us to uh to what we're going to play here today? Well, look, the first song I want to share with you is one I wrote myself. I catch a lot of public transport, and I noticed that there are a lot of criminals on public transport. <laughs> the rules are that it is still mandatory. <laughs> To wear a mask on public transport. This is a song I wrote. I adapted the melody. I'm going to sing it really badly, and I apologize in advance. There are two crimes. One is the swears that it contains, and the other is I can't sing. But are you with me? Can I do this? Do I have I'm your with permission? you. I'm with you. Okay. All right. Here we go. You ready? Language warning. All the dickheads on the bus have their junk hanging out, their junk hanging out, their junk hanging out. All the dickheads on the bus have their junk hanging out if they wear their undies like they wear their masks. Take a verse. A verse? Yeah, go on. It works on trains. It works on aeroplanes. In fact, you can even do one for this studio. The guest in Studio One has his junk. If Because I'm not wearing a mask. All right, let's move along. <laughs> okay. I've okay. got a better song for you. Please, please. Really putting the, the dumb joke in DJ there. <laughs> How long have you been waiting to do that to me? Since the start of that verse. Oh, brilliant. You're listening to Death of the Reader Undead, your murder mystery detour here on 2SER 107.3. I'm Flex. I'm joined in the studio by Dom, 2SER's very own sponsorship manager, who's kindly stepped in because Herds is away unwell. Can I can I have a cool nickname like you guys do? Instead of Dom, I shall be Mod. Mod? I love it. Flex and Mod here in the studios for your murder mystery uh, detour. And I wanted to talk about my latest obsession. Uh, arguably one of the reasons that I pitched this show 
uh, to the station because I've been having such a fun time watching it, but there's just no way I could fit it onto the regular program. And that is The Case Files of Young Kindaichi, also known as the uh, fifth generation of the Young Kindaichi Case Files. Oh, so it's not a prequel. It's it's Son of. It's The Return of the Son of. It's That's a horror movie trope. The there Return you go. Of the Son of. Yeah, shout out to the YouTube audience. I'll understand that joke. <laughs> oh, that's right. Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically it is, we covered uh, the Honjin murder case, which is the first case of the Koski Kindaichi novels to be translated to the West in Pushkin Vertigo's latest run. And the Young Kindaichi Case Files is a long-running manga novel anime series uh, which features the grandson of Kosuke Kendaichi, Japan's most famous detective, as he goes around and solves these bizarre mysteries. It's currently airing on Disney Plus here in Australia. It's a couple of weeks ahead in Japan. It's up to the eighth episode, which came out last night. Uh, it's got Shinsuke Michieda of uh, Naniwa Danchi as Hajime Kendaichi, the star. And first of all, can I say, I, I can't play the theme song uh, on air because Disney would, would come for my neck. Uh, I could sing my mask song again. <laughs> please. Uh, but <laughs> Please don't. Please don't. Please yes. don't. Yeah. Um, but it, it it does such a wonderful job of carrying across this enthusiastic childlike spirit and also the bizarre nature of Murder Mystery Dom. Because I don't know about you, but reading whodunits, one of the things to me is that the very nature of a detective, like this ubermensch detective being there to solve crime, is absurd. And the finer you can straddle that line... I think the more powerful uh, the, the murder mystery can become because you're not constrained by the sensibilities of regular day-to-day life. What, what do you mean absurd? Do you mean in the same way that, like, if you lived in Cabot Cove with Angela Lansbury's character, you'd move out because eventually you're going to be bumped off or you're the murderer? <laughs> is, is that what you mean? It's sort of the same spirit as, like, uh, Midsummer Murders. Why is anyone still living in Midsummer? Exactly. Yeah. Oh man, we should talk about some of our favorite murder mystery theme songs off the back of that when we get to. Uh, when we get to yes. The sorry, show. I cut you off. Go back but to as you were. It, it's so good because you know, the, for example, the show starts off. It feels like you're really in the middle of the action as it debuts. You've walked into a show about a club of murder mystery enthusiasts, only for them all to die to establish the actual main cast. <laughs> I wish they'd kept a similar feeling of stakes going forwards, but they probably couldn't get away with that much child murder. But it, it's such a bang-up start that introduces you to the absurdity, the ridiculousness, and also this, like, gentle simplicity. All of the murder mysteries are really easily unravelable, but in ways where you're like, oh, but how do we actually, like, pin someone with a crime with that one? You know, there's uh, the, the seventh episode, the sixth and seventh episode. You can guess almost immediately who the killer is, but you can't figure out quite as easily what his trick was. And even if you can figure out his trick, how do you prove that he's the one sh- that should be put behind bars. They do a really nice balance of like setting the challenge at a super entry level, but not leaving nothing for people who have a bit more experience to do to kind of poke at. So, so even the Uber detective novel reader mm. has to work at the solution. Yeah. I had, I had a really great time, for example, uh, like, a lot of the time you feel like Ken Mochi. He's the police detective character. For those of you on YouTube, he's a bit of, he's a bit of the Arc 8 Oishi, uh, which is a reference that I, I say only lightly. Um, and effectively, you know, you're alongside this kid who's making all of these observations that make sense and you can see the pieces slotting into place, but how do you bag him? How do you actually get that arrest? And of course, it's a little weird that this, you know, police detective is bringing along a kid to do his job for him, but I suppose that's in the spirit of things. Well, well, well I just think of, you know, Sherlock Holmes as Inspector Lestrade yeah. and Inspector Morse's uh, 
strange? Is that the well, detective? But you see, at least those are adults, whereas he's bringing underage children to crime scenes, which just, you know... So this is more three investigators. Yeah. Like Jupiter th- Jones, not, not Pete quite. Crenshaw, and Andrew... Oh, it's been too long. Yeah. I can't remember. Not quite as much duty of care. Um... <laughs> I'm glad we got that one. Um, but yeah, I think there's there's so many throwbacks. There's a lot of things that you'll realize watching the show that are actually, you know, you've read more recent books that have referenced this, uh, which is always a fantastic treat to be like, oh, of course, that's where that idea came from and seeing how some of your favorite authors spun those ideas. This, this is like watching a Tarantino film and going, ah, oh, the three-way shootout, that's in the Korean crime film, whatever it's in. Absolutely. Um, and there's also a, a, a series of amazing, like, funny moments because the show doesn't take itself too seriously. Like the uh, ghost school murder case, they build up this beautiful tension only for the main character to be given a jump scare by his best friend sneaking up from behind him. <laughs> and normally, I would not laugh at that sort of stuff, but they sold it so well. Lovely. Um, I, I think my biggest problem with the show, though, Dom, is that it does that thing where, uh. They take so long to get through the actual body of the crime that at the end of the episode, the killer has to sit there in a chair and monologue out their motive. And it seems like it's the same motive every time. Like, ah, yes, a woman in my family was wronged and I had to go and do murder to make up for it. It's like, you know, that was really... I I feel like we could have had a, a slightly more straightforward solution for that one. That that kind of reminds me of the end of every episode of Scooby Doo. You know, it's Sheriff Briggs, and I would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for you meddling kids. Well, that's exactly it because it has that same childlike Scooby Doo feel where it it could be so much better, but it's not annoying enough to kill the show for me. Um, the thing that does get close, though, is that they keep refusing to give any character other than young Kindaichi credit. Because, for example, uh, the, the, the sort of will-they-won't-they-love interest character, Nanase Miyuki, in the show, keeps stumbling onto the solutions. Like, there's one episode where she brings a box of magic toys and does a magic trick that also ends up being how the killer did the crime. Uh, to say nothing of what that magic trick is. Whose love interest is she? Uh, the The young Kindaichi Hajime. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So it's the two kids. Okay. But the, right. thing, the thing that annoyed me was that she figures out the crime and then the show plays her as a bit of a klutz where she's like, oh, oops, what are you thinking about, Hajime? I, I, don't, I couldn't possibly understand it. He's like, ah, you see, this puts all of the clues together. And it's like, come on, give the girl some credit. She solved it herself. Like, what's going on here? Oh, dear. Bad character role. It's 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 a bit weird. There's also another one where the uh, the lead detective Ken Mochi he goes to solve a crime for himself and completely whiffs it, which is kind of beautifully hilarious. But then they go on a two hour bus ride to Tokyo. Young Kindaichi realizes they messed up the crime and they come all the way back. And on the two hour bus ride back after he's realized it, he doesn't explain anything to anyone. So the rest of the cast doesn't even get to participate in his magnificent unveiling of the crime. What were they doing on the bus what ride? What were they doing on the bus? Looking out the window. <laughs> Apparently so. Listening to me sing a song about why they should mask up. Oh, and you know what, Dom, you mentioned Midsummer Murders, which is a, a murder mystery with a fantastic theme song. This show's theme song, uh, I think it's called The Answer. I don't know what the Japanese title is. Or indeed what the question is. And I can't mime to you here on radio the dance number that they do in the introduction every episode. Yeah, you can. No one's I looking. Can, well, that's exactly it. No one's looking. That's the problem. I'd be happy to do it. Uh, but they... <laughs> 
my my sister and I, whenever we're watching this, because I'm watching it with my sister at home, we always get up off the couch and do the big spinny dance number right as right as it gets up in the introduction. It's such a great time. Ah, oh, best best all time murder mystery intros and outros. I think Hercule Poirot, the the Poirot by ITV, the is probably my my favorite of all time. I'm I'm not going to attempt to hum it, but I'm I'm into the the old time Aussie cop shows by Crawford Productions. So yeah. for me, it's Division Four, the music <laughs> that goes with it, not yeah. that bit. Oh. And of course, uh, the cricket theme used to be the Bluey theme. Oh, did it? Yeah, yeah. And not not the cartoon Bluey. Bluey Adams was yeah, a I, real I cop in Melbourne, <laughs> mm. but he was played by Lucky Grills, and his surname in the show was Hills, so so his nickname was Bluey, as in Blue Hills, the old Aussie soapy. <laughs> um, yeah, that's far too much information. The theme's good, but it's the, the cricket theme. Good. I should say the YouTube audience is asking me to upload a video of myself doing uh, doing the dance from the introduction. I'll have to practice a bit, but I'll, I'll see if I can I'll see if I can get that up for you. Excellent. Either way, we are getting towards the end of Death of the Reader Undead, your murder mystery detour here on 2SER. First of all, thank you, Dom, so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you. The only thing that sucks is if Herds was here, it'd be even more fun. I completely agree. All the best to Herds uh, on the mend. And I suppose we will uh, we'll leave you with the outro to Death of the Reader. Tune in this Sunday night for Tyramos's The Ghosts of Paris. This is your murder mystery detour. You're on 2SER. We're out of here.